Ladies and gentlemen, joining me on the line, he is from CinemaBlend.com, an actual real movie review website and company. and Professional. Professional. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Reyes is on the line. Hey, Mike, what are you doing today? I'm hoping your recording rig doesn't kick out on us, but otherwise I'm doing fine. How <laughs> or, are you? Uh, good. Uh, for those of you who may not know what or get that part of the joke, last week we tried three times to record an update to the, to the, the, to the podcast last week. And the computer I was using, for whatever reason, it was like, f*** you. (laughs) So, anyways, things seem to be working uh, well this week. We're going to dive right into it. We've got three movies to talk about, and then we'll get into some uh, movie news. I want to start with the movie you haven't seen, Dungeons & Dragons. That's coming out this weekend, right? Yep, Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Here's my thought on it. Is this going to be another World of Warcraft movie? Uh, What do you mean by that? Where the, the trailers, like gave folks what they kind of wanted and it was like okay we're going to create excitement about this and then it was a mediocre movie at best i've heard that this is a very entertaining movie not exactly reinventing the wheel earth shattering or although depending on who you talk to because apparently the south by southwest screening of this movie just everybody ate it up at the festival but that's a festival you're already on a high you're like doing all this neat stuff and going to watch movies and stuff even if you're there professionally there's a little bit of a high added in to all that but it's getting good response i'm basically hearing it's everything you would expect out of a dungeons and dragons movie and chris pine was meant to be a bard (laughs) see i like two things i could have told you from the jump here's the thing like i like chris pine uh there's a couple other actors that i dig in this uh in this movie but it was one of those things where it's like is this going to be like done or uh excuse me the Warcraft movie where it's like, eh, okay, I had some fun with it, but is it is it the end-all, be-all of movies? No. You know what I'm saying? No. I mean, it's, uh, like I said, I've, I've heard it is very faithful to the concept of Dungeons and Dragons. I've heard it's a lot of fun, and it's going to be interesting to see how this movie shapes up against John Wick, because that's basically like John Wick 4 and Dungeons and Dragons are like the two heavy hitters this weekend. Okay. All right. Well, if you uh, do see Dungeons and Dragons, maybe we can talk about it next week. Uh, Mike Ray is from CinemaBlend.com on the line with me right now. Two other movies you've seen kind of take us back into a nice little dose of history. Uh, Where do you want to start? I'm going to let you uh, pull the trigger on that one. Uh, We'll start with Air. Cool. Because uh, that's another one that premiered at South by Southwest. There's another one that's been there. There was actually uh, at the time of recording this on Thursday, there was a special AMC. They call them Investor Connect screenings, where it's like they'll do some advanced screenings in their theaters. I think it's it's supposed to be mostly for their investors, but other people can go too if you like know what it is but anyway it's also going to be doing a sneak preview screening on this saturday so that's another thing to keep out an eye out for because the movie doesn't officially launch until next friday and before we get too far this is going to be a, a theatrical exclusive even though it's an amazon studios movie because they're going back to their old ways of actually you know releasing movies in the theaters and then it'll hit amazon later okay i don't think that this is just going to be available for streaming all right, so the story of Air is basically Nike bringing Michael Jordan into the fold, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, 1984. Sonny Vaccaro, played by Matt Damon, is really convinced that rookie NBA rookie Michael Jordan is the player to focus a new, not just a shoe, but a new brand of shoe around. 
And that basically, the huge it's a huge story about how Nike became the titan that it is in the basketball scene today. Because at the beginning of the movie, they tell you Converse was was king for the NBA. They had like 54% market share. Then Adidas was right after it, and then Nike was dead last. And they're in a bit of a bind in their basketball division at, at that point. And you know they're trying to figure who do they who should they snag as a player. And Jordan seems pretty much impossible even at that point because he was such a high draft pick. Yeah. So for the rest of the movie, you get to see the inner workings and wranglings of this big deal and the people that believed in it and made it possible. Okay. But Michael Jordan is not in this. Ah, so this is a very interesting, this is a very interesting approach to this whole thing. Michael Jordan is technically present in this movie. Technically. You see him, you see, well, because there is an actor playing the part. He doesn't speak but there's an actor playing the part. He's there <laughs> present in scenes, but the people who do most of the talking are his parents, uh, with his mother Dolores being played by Academy Award winner slash human powerhouse Viola Davis. Okay. So it's mostly about, it's not, because I think the reason they did this is because it's not a movie about Michael Jordan. It's not a Michael Jordan biopic. The closest you're going to get to that is Matt Damon has a really impassioned speech when they're negotiating for the deal to, to make the show. And there's like basically a montage of Jordan's future from that point. Like you see him going to play golf, the the report of his father being murdered, him playing for the Bulls. Like he might even he might even say one or two lines. He may say one or two lines in certain scenes because okay. I think he he makes some. But it's not, he's not a he's not a driving presence in the action although his legacy is obviously the the centerpiece yeah 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 no i get i get you i get you okay so is it any good it's good i mean this is pretty solid straightforward bio uh, straightforward history movie and you've got ben affleck directing matt damon for the first time you've got them sharing scenes for the first time since the last duel they didn't write the movie together but because they did write on last duel together as well as have select scenes together but there's more interaction between the two of them here. The cast is amazing because, again, you've got Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Viola Davis, Jason Bateman, Chris Messina, Chris Tucker. Like, you've got this really amazing lineup of talent playing the people that were all involved. That Well, Marlon Wayans is in there, too, that played their part in sort of guiding the journey. And two things that I definitely have to mention are – one, I like that Ben Affleck allows himself to sort of be the dork in this movie because he's playing the Nike CEO Phil and Knight. he's like Phil Knight. Yeah. yeah, he's playing Phil Knight, and he's just such a, a goober in this. There's there's like the one thing <laughs> you see in the trailer where they've decided on the Air Jordan name, and he's like, I don't know, maybe it'll grow on me. And like he he has a running gag about uh, inspiring people with with Zen sort of uh, meditation okay. and various other people just kind of being tired of that. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Damon and Chris Messina get some of the hugest laughs in this movie because of the humor that's present. Uh, Chris Messina is playing David Falk, who is uh, Michael Jordan's agent. And then they're talking about trying, he's trying to set up a meeting to meet Michael Jordan, talk about the show. And there's all these different uh it, it it just automatically takes a left turn into wonderful off-color humor okay. that just leads to some great moments of profanity and fantastic, like, it 
it livens things up instead of just staying a, a all the way a standard biopic. It's pretty much that way 75% of the time, but then you've got this nice 25% of little jokes and little moments that really like brighten it up. And it's ultimately about the consequence of risk. It's not about building Michael Jordan as a legacy. It's about people believing in him so early on that they risked this huge deal that could have lost people's jobs and ultimately in in a positive way, set precedent for players to get more money from being the sort of cultural figures that they are. I mean, they, they mentioned in the, the uh, title cards at the end that Sonny Vaccaro eventually went on to fight for the NCAA and getting players paid for their likenesses there. Okay. So you like... so Yeah, it, but definitely... I didn't know which way you wanted. You juked there, and I kind of just went the... I, you blew by me with the ball, Mike Reyes. That's what happened. I'm sorry. I thought you were setting me up there. Yeah, no. There was nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's good. It's definitely good. It's obviously, if you like sports, if you like basketball, good. If you like history movies, it's going to be good. It's nice, solid work, and I enjoyed it. I also enjoy, again, it went to theaters. Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com on the line with me right now. As we talk about movies, so Air is a good one if you're into sports and all that kind of stuff. This would be a good one for you this weekend. Uh, the other one coming out, uh, Tetris, which just looks... Oh, wait, 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 wait. What? What? Air is going to be in theaters this weekend as a sneak preview. Air will be opening in theaters on April 5th. Oh, whatever. Okay. You got to save room for Mario, man. So it's like that this week, huh? Oh, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I wanted to get it right. So that way our <laughs> listeners don't show up to the theater on Saturday at 12 p.m. thinking they're going to go see Air. And then they're just going to have to go see John Wick 4 again, which they totally should. Uh, I was actually I was talking to my wife uh, last night, and I'm like, I may have to go see John Wick this weekend because she's not oh. into she's not into John Wick at all. That may be a late I'm night, yeah, Friday or Saturday night thing. I may go well, check that out. So pace yourself accordingly, because don't forget that's almost three hours. I saw the I saw the last uh, John Wick at like the middle of the night. I got a burr at my ass at one point. And I'm like, I'm gonna go see John, John Wick, and I just left. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what you think because it, it's the best one. Uh, Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com, movie professional on the line with me right now. Uh, the other movie, uh, I'm right. <laughs> that we're talking about this week, it is Tetris. Oh yes, it is. That and was your setup. I am, I am really sad. That Tetris is not going to theaters. What's it coming out this on? Is going to be, this is going to be on Apple TV Plus starting Friday. So you'll be able to stream this. And I really would have loved to see this on a big screen. Because out of the two 1980s cultural biopics that are coming out around this time, I think Tetris is the superior one. That's that's even with me being a huge fan of Ben Affleck as a director. And, you know, I, yeah. I really did enjoy Air. Tetris is about as damn close as we're going to come to an actual Tetris movie. And the reason I say that is because the story is about uh, businessman Hank Rogers, played by Taron Egerton, who basically licensed, was one of several parties that were told that they were licensed certain rights to the release of Tetris outside of Russia. There was a huge, huge misunderstanding. <laughs> and from what I read in like, the, in like the, the historical synopsis, I think there was about up to 12 different parties who thought they had everything from computer rights to console rights to arcade rights. Okay. This movie picks up with Hank Rogers trying to get the handheld rights because he was friends with someone at Nintendo, and he was introduced to this little gadget called the Game Boy. 
And Nintendo wanted a game to sell with the Game Boy. And Tetris was the game that he really wanted to throw in there. And again, this is another story of a guy believes in something so much that he's willing to risk everything. Like, according to the way it plays out in the movie, he puts his house up as collateral. He gets horrible terms from the bank because he had already done... Like he's, The movie opens with Hank Rogers pitching a bank to get another loan for Tetris. And he has not had the best luck when it comes to previous ideas. He still has other outstanding loans. So he gets put over a barrel, but agrees because he thinks that this thing has potential. Okay. And that leads to a gigantic fluster cluck that, uh, (laughs) that see that, that just sees so many different people wanting that pie because they see the money they see some see the collapse of the Soviet Union coming and want to position themselves to to be on the right end of this. It is two hours that hits the ground running and never stops. This movie never runs out of energy. It never peters out. There is a car chase towards the end of this movie that throws in 8-bit effects. Like, it cuts to, like, a top-down, like, spy hunter where you're watching your car and you're moving it. Real cars crash in the real world and then, like, 8-bit graphics, like, flash on them. Like, it's this really cool, really energetic sequence that comes after a, a constant stream of interest and activity because again this is you know I, I never thought the fate of tetris would be something that'd be so captivating and so humanly <clears throat> presented and like i'm a huge tetris fan the fact that you could watch this movie and very easily th- very easily think about how tetris really is a metaphor for life pieces you have to make do with the pieces you're given you have you're gonna come up with against some obstacles you're gonna have to come up with new plans like, this is literally the closest you could get to making a Tetris movie before becoming ridiculous, unless you have a really good idea. I like it. Mike Reyes for CinemaBlend.com. What? It's stellar. And if I have to close out on anything, it's like, look, your movie has a Kingsman as a lead. Two Speed Racer veterans are also in here. And then a <laughs> Bond henchman is also in here. If those weren't, if that wasn't enough to, to goose the pot for me, I don't know what is. Also, there's a lot of 8-bit transitions and, like, video game nods throughout that are just, it's lively. It brightens up what biopics can be, especially because it's Tetris. I think if it, it, the movie would have suffered if it didn't lean into that, but it leans into the fact that we're talking about a video game, so we're going to use video game graphics to lay out some of the history. No, that sounds cool. And that's probably... It, yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm like not gonna lie. When I first when I first heard this movie was coming out, I legitimately thought it was about the game, and I'm like, how are they gonna do this? That's what everybody thought, especially because some of us still remember that time that Ridley Scott he had said he was going to make a Monopoly movie, and it was going to be about a guy falling into the game and like living his life in Monopoly Land. Yeah. So no, this looks so much better. So, uh, Mike Rice from uh, CinemaBlend.com on the line with me right now. We'll uh, uh, have the information about this over at the website. Uh, Mike, as we transition over to the world of movie news, uh, real quick, I just want to throw something in. Uh, did you see who the special guest star was on Mandalorian, or hear who it was? No, I did not. Wait for this week. Yeah. No, I did not. Tim Meadows. What? <laughs> yeah. 
As who? He's just like I I I don't know if he's like a character from the Clone Wars. They've got a couple characters from like Clone Wars and Rebels in it. And uh, Tim Meadows is like an office worker, and he's the dude that is like, it's not a rebellion anymore, it's a republic. You know, like, (laughs) (laughs) it was just really like, my wife goes, is that Tim Meadows? (laughs) I want a Star Wars series that just leans into that the right way, because they've had a great run of casting people from the beginning, you know, my opinion of the show aside. I think the casting's been top-notch. But they really opened that particular door in the beginning when they had Amy Sedaris as, uh, I'm blanking on her character name, but she's the mechanic that, like, babysits Grogu yeah, 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 yeah. She was in this season at one point, too, so. But, yeah, yeah that... just having her on hand sort of blew the door open for that. Oh, uh, just funny. That, I, I, we were watching last night, and I said to my wife at one point, and I would go, Mandalorians are just low-budget Iron Men. <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm just thinking they should bring Tina Fey in at some point. And the other thing, uh, at one point, there, there, uh, there's a group of like four Mandalorians, and they're like doing the whole like military like group where you're trying to uh, like uh, storm a building or you know something something like that. You know how when you use hand gestures? Oh yeah. What Drop does hand gestures? What does hand gestures and not one of the Mandalorian are looking at him? And then they all start to move. And I'm like, how did they see that? But anyways, uh, but <laughs> that and uh, apparently tonight, I haven't watched it yet, but on Picard, a uh, another uh, spoiler special uh, guest uh, comes on the show. But it's not Tim Meadows. No, but his name does start with Tim. Oh. Um. So I'm just going to dance around this to try and guess. Uh, would they be from Voyager? Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, bring back Voyager. Bring back, do do a like a sequel to Voyager. Damn it! I think they're good. I think they're setting up to do more in this world. That like the Picard part of it might be done, but they're gonna do more because the Titan crew would be a lot of fun. And you saw how they did that in Discovery, where they brought in Pike and they did. Uh, uh, you know, it turned into its own series. I think Titan's gonna do the same thing. I know that they've brought her into Prodigy, but I want to see live action Janeway. She's been live action Admiral Janeway. She's been name dropped a lot in it too, by the way. Name dropping is cool and everything, but I want to see Kate Mulgrew get back into action. Like, maybe, all right, maybe you bring in Kate Mulgrew, maybe you bring in Tim Meadows, and we start looking at like Starfleet headquarters bureaucracy in like a, an amusing sort of way. But every now and then, serious stuff breaks out. I still think Lower Decks is the best Star Trek out there right now. I wouldn't be surprised. Just watching that and just seeing the the atten- well, just watching the mix of humor, but also serious nods and serious events to things in in Star Trek canon. Like I still love that first contact part. Oh yeah, that's so much fun. And they they the the way they've expanded the world this season on Picard has been pretty fun. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com on the line with me right now. So the big kind of story out there that's been uh, kind of simmering for the last week or so. It, it was pretty much it was uh, Saturday or Sunday that this came out originally, right? Saturday, yeah. Okay, You're about Jonathan Majors, right? Yes. Uh, so Jonathan yeah. Majors arrested on Saturday, assault charges. Right. Right. He was charged with. Uh, yeah, it was a charge with uh, accused of apparently strangling and uh, among other things, uh, his girlfriend. The story takes a number of turns, but the interesting 
thing. And when I say interesting, I don't mean it in a in a good way. It was just interesting how yeah, the, no. this stuff started coming out. But there were a lot of stories from like Saturday through earlier in the week where people weren't surprised about this about these charges we'll say is that a good way to say it yeah there was there was quite a couple there were a couple stories that came out pretty much the night of people that had worked within the community and had uh i think in some cases worked with jonathan majors saying that his behavior was nothing new yeah they didn't want to speak out on behalf of the victims because they were staying silent in some cases it was the old sarcastic shocking type response, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it was basically the people supporting those allegations and saying, yeah, this has been something that's been overdue. We don't have to go too far into that port. There was an update this morning, and we're recording on Thursday. Um, what was the update earlier today? So the update was that Jonathan Major's lawyer released text messages from the victim in question that basically said she didn't want him to be arrested, that it was arrested. He was arrested due to protocol. And she had told them she was, she told authorities that she was not trying to press charges and that the the strangulation claim should be removed. And she was even saying things like, call me when you're out. I love you. I told them it was my fault for trying to grab your phone. Like, apparently she was admitting fault in these texts. And uh, I that's, that's basically where we are right now. It's a messy situation. It is. And to a certain extent, it has to be in order to pursue due diligence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And- but at the same time, obviously we're going to have to wait and see what happens and ultimately wait for the justice process to to move in its own fashion the the only thing and this is where i'll leave it you know at least with what i want to say one even if uh, it comes back that there's you know they he doesn't go to jail or arrested or charges or whatever right this is always right. going to be in in the background of people's minds like you do, you don't really shake court, something like this you know what i'm saying court of public yeah, opinion yeah the court of public opinion Exactly. The court of public opinion is something very different from court of legal law. And it doesn't you don't even have to look at serious allegations like this to learn that. I mean, look at the the old standby of Richard Gere in a gerbil story. Yeah. The the other thing about this is that this many stories that came out, it kind of goes back to the thing of where there's smoke, there's fire usually. So I don't know what the exact truth is. But there was enough stories that all of a sudden came out that it's like, okay, what's something is going on here. It may not be exactly what we see, you know, through the tabloids and through the news and all that, but it it feels like something is going on here. Right. And not to mention if Jonathan Majors is exonerated on this, not only would the court of public opinion continue to hold this this uh, event or these proceedings, whatever you want to call them, they, well, not only would they hold this in their minds, but also there may be other victims that may have other victims yeah. that will want to pursue their own legal avenues, and that would be some for, that would further the story along. Yeah, it's it's weird, and we'll have to let it uh, play out, you know, as as you say, but uh, just a weird. Well, you talk about a guy that everything was going right for him, and then all of a sudden everything takes a left turn, you know? Yeah. I. It's it, As far as that sort of story is concerned, it almost felt like one of the quickest turnarounds when it came to public opinion and and allegations sort of crashing. I mean, the, right just right before that, 
his new film magazine dreams was announced for release this December because it came out of, I think it was at Sundance and it was just a barnstormer. Like people were amazed by his performance. There was a lot of Oscar buzz surrounding that. And now, I mean, I'm not saying this because I'm not saying it as if to say, Oh, you know, poor Jonathan majors. What I'm saying is it's amazing how, like you said, how on a dime everything turned. Well, I mean, and think about this. Year, a few weeks ago, you were saying this is going to be the year of Jonathan Majors or something. It, it was something like that because you had you had Creed, you had uh, Kang coming out, and how good he was in both those. And then all of a sudden, nope. <laughs> oh yeah, and then that's another thing that's immediately taken over social media. Is like, okay, who? How does Kang move forward? Does Kang move forward with Jonathan Majors in this role, or does Marvel? recast him but i mean when ant-man and the wasp and black panther had their own combination of uh problematic figures cast in both of those films i I don't really know where the line is between recasting (laughs) with another actor or keeping him on the payroll do you think kevin feige kicked anything when he saw this on saturday i wonder i wonder if anybody did and that's on the top of everything else marvel is going through especially with uh one of their other production executives, Victoria Alonso, being let go. Oh, I saw that. And that opened up a can of yeah, because that opened up a can of worms between. Well, some people say it was because she was promoting a documentary she was part of, and the studio. It's a something in her contract that she can't do that. Yeah. And then others are saying that that was like the legal grounds for letting her go after being very problematic with the special effects teams, and apparently allegedly being connected to all the crunch that's been going on with the with CFX over at Marvel. So that's And the Mafia. It's uh I'm sorry. I just thought that sounded cool. <laughs> what did you say though? I said and the what Mafia. Look, if there were mob ties with Marvel, they would be more organized than some of the stuff we've seen. Oh, good times. All right, Mike Rage from CinemaBlend.com on the line with me right now. Is there anything we need to finish out with this week? Oh, there is something really cool that happened. What? Just this morning, and I am so excited about this. So, Scott Pilgrim versus the World has been on deck for an anime adaptation. Oh, cool. Like, they're going to go back, and the original creator, Brian O'Malley, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to double check my names just in case, because I like to be professional and accurate. As you're looking something up as we're on the show. (laughs) But this is going to get cut out if you know what's right for you. (laughs) I can't now. It's funny. Because it's it's recent news that I want to get. No, right. I know, I know. Just, yeah. Well, it, and I'm the guy. So, yeah, I've yeah. got five different screens open with different stories we talked about, just so I remember the details. So Brian Lee O'Malley, the creator of Scott Pilgrim, is also going to be part of this new adaptation. It's going to be an anime series for Netflix. And then Edgar Wright announced today he's also executive producing because he directed the the film. But now he's announcing that. Uh, Anna Managuchi, who did the score for the game, might be doing the score for the anime. Oh, and the entire theatrical movie cast is coming back to voice themselves. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, that movie so was underrated. Vastly underrated. And if there's anything I can recommend to people, it's going back to watch my interview with Edgar Wright back in, from back in 2020 for the 10th anniversary. Because that was, it was just so much fun to dig into why that movie has hit with people 
and the people that it did hit with, like J.J. Abrams was a huge fan, and uh, there's like all the notes that Edgar Wright had gotten about the ending to to sort of change it, and uh, there's a lot of really fun stuff in there. But the movie was always the movie has always been this underrated, well, this underrated turning into a cult classic hit. So now you've got an anime project that's going to have everyone from Aubrey Plaza and Brie Larson to Chris Evans and Michael Sarah returning. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is coming back. Like, everyone is back. Jason Schwartzman is back. Like, everyone's back playing their roles for an anime that will probably expand and maybe adapt more of the books that we didn't get in the, the movie because, fun fact... I think they were only on book three when they were writing the movie. I was gonna say it's like because uh, I was just looking at it. it. It's there's like seven or eight volumes of it. Seven volumes. Let's see. There is. Yeah, there's seven volumes. Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is number two. Scott Pilgrim and the Infinite Sadness. Scott Pilgrim gets gets it together. Scott Pilgrim vs. the Universe and Scott Pilgrim's Finest Hour. Yeah, and I don't know if they're going to truncate books and try to do it in like a shorter amount of seasons i don't know if they have a game plan for how many seasons they're gonna go all i know is that i love the fact that you it's very rare that you not only have that you have a creative team working on a tv adaptation of something that they've already done it's even rare when you have the cast that did the first movie coming back and if that's not a sign of love for the fans and for what they did with that movie. I don't know what is, and I cannot wait to watch this. Any idea when this is coming out? No, uh, there there was no release date uh, put out put into the world. It's just kind of you know the, the trailer ended with that Netflix logo. Yeah, okay. so I don't even know if they're in production yet or when they'll go into production. Since this is animation, it's gonna it's gonna take a while. But yeah. I'm just I'm I am so g- I'm happy that Scott Pilgrim is getting it too. <laughs> Mike Reyes from Cinema Blood. Yeah, let's get another Tin Tin movie. Uh, another what? Tin Tin. The weird animated one. The Steven Spielberg animated one. Yeah, that was that wasn't weird. That was awesome. You know what one I want back is uh, Johnny Quest. Oh, I would love for a real Adventures of Johnny Quest movie. The uh, one they did in the '90s. Yeah. That one was so or great. Even just the, like, yeah, even if they did like a retro '60s one, like it, it, let the Wachowskis pull a Speed Racer and and make Johnny Quest. Which another fun fact, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Michael Giacchino pulls music from Johnny Quest for parts of his score to Speed Racer, and it works so beautifully. I just I want I would like Johnny Quest. I would like Tintin. Let's bring the interesting stuff back that was promised to become bigger before Marvel and DC took everything over. Uh, the Johnny Quest cartoon in the 90s I really got into, and I had the hugest crush. I believe her name was Jessie on it. I think so. I think that was her. I was A-OK with that when I was a kid. Uh, why, why am I not surprised? It was just... I, it, the fact that she was a well-drawn character. So, I mean, it was just... She was fun. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Anyways, uh, Daughter by Jezebel Jade. Sorry, I started to read it. I'm like, okay, what was... I, I think pretty sure it was Jesse, right? Yeah, Jesse Bannon. Yeah. And her and uh, Johnny would go head-to-head with each other, and then there was that secret kind of... Or not secret, but kind of like, oh, they're going to... They're going to... They'll be together when they're older. Oh, yeah. that's <laughs> When you see characters like that in a 90s animated series, it's like, that's that's happening. There you go. We don't know when... And we don't know how, but it's happening. And also, I just really loved that reinvention of the Johnny Quest theme for that show. 
I have that, and I used to use it at the arena I worked at uh, for like uh, dramatic music when there'd be like people doing contests and stuff. I would have went nuts. I would have went absolutely nuts hearing that. It was so good. I'm going to go listen to that when we're done. Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com joins me every Friday on the show to talk about movies. What was that, Mike? I wish we could use that as like outro music or something, but I know it's obviously copyright, but come on, Warner Brothers. Well, if we just do the dun 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 Oh, well, then that's fine. That's, they won't sue us for that at all. <laughs> They're really, we're going to sue you guys for sucking at it so bad. <laughs> Mike Ray. Well, I mean, they stranger things have happened. Yes, Mike Ray from CinemaBlend.com joins me every Friday on the show to talk about movies. We'll leave it there for this week. Mike, you have yourself a good weekend, okay? Bum, 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 bum. Ba-dum.